Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market, I'm Willie King. Markets have continued to roar higher and you have the recent November rally driven by expectations that rates would fall by 2024. So far, the S&P 500 has gone up by 9% last month for its second best November since 1980, behind only the pandemic fuel rebound in 2020. This has driven a notable recovery in investor sentiment amid the broad-based rally which we are seeing. So what factors are attributing to the uplift in markets and investor sentiments and will this recovery in sentiments continue to go forward? Joining us on the line today as we unpack all of this is Olivia Dessier, Head of Applied Research APEC of Axioma. Hey Olivia, welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yep. So I'm stunned, Olivia. I mean, this year, people were all talking about recession. But at the same time, you know, we are surprised which we are seeing this rally across broad-based benchmarks for the year and especially for the last month, which is November. I mean, so far, did investor sentiments continue to recover here? So sentiment has, has been recovering since the lows of October when people were very bearish. So November saw a huge rise in sentiment, mostly fueled by uh, thoughts that Fed and the ECB are done hiking rates and will start cutting soon. Volatility was also very low, so there seemed to be very little risk in basically gambling, and that's what fueled uh, most of the rise in November. Mm. And how did investor sentiments change you know, in the last couple of months here? So for the last two years, you know, really the, the only investor in the market has been central banks. Everybody was watching what the Fed and the ECB would do, and that's been really the only factor that's affected sentiment. Mm. And now that they seem to be done raising rates, people are starting to look broader. So we, we had a period where only the Magnificent Seven in the U.S. were working, only the luxury goods retailers in Europe were working. And now we're focused more on, okay, if the interest rates are going to be cut and the economy is going to get some stimulus, let's broaden our portfolios. And that's what's really helped November get such a big number since, as you said, 1980. Yeah, I mean, what do you think was the key to the recovery here in both markets and investor sentiment? I mean, if you see how the rally has been, it has been pretty surprising you know, since the start of this year. So there's a fair bit amount of speculation, obviously, right? So ever since interest rates started going up in March last year, a lot of money has left the equity market and went mm. into fixed interest. And there's a lot of speculation now that with interest rate cuts down the road, this money would come back to equities. So a lot of people are just trying to get first mover advantage. Now, the thing is, right, Olivia, there's also one market that sort of set out on the rally, and that's China. I mean, while everyone is pretty bullish on the US markets in Europe, but China sort of remain on the opposite end. And it seems like investors are remaining bullish on this, despite the fact that the market's reluctance to rise without further evidence of a credible economic recovery. So why do you think this was the case? Yeah, China's been a bit of a conundrum in that sense. It's been underperforming for three years. And earlier in Q1 this year, people thought the reopening the economy would really kick off. So everybody got bullish and then everybody got disappointed. But then investors started thinking, OK, the market has been underperforming for three years. Surely the regulators are not going to let it underperform for a fourth. So everybody's been bullish waiting for really the big guns to come out and say, we're going to stimulate this economy. We're going to add liquidity here. We're going to cut fiscal spending there or add fiscal spending there and cut some of the debts here. But that hasn't really happened yet, although to their credit, the, the regulators have been trying to put out the fires in the property sector and the high yield sector and the credit default issues that hang around there. But it's not enough for investors. They need more. 
Mm. And despite the positive investor sentiment in most of the Asian markets, why was investor sentiment sort of negative in global developed markets, global emerging markets and in Europe? Yeah, it's been very, very strange to see all markets be negative at the same time. That hadn't happened since the March banking crisis, but all global markets developed and been emerging got bearish in October because, again, the Fed and the ECB said, look, we're looking at higher rates for longer. And there was a period of time here where investors were hoping for a pivot, were hoping for it on the basis of an economic weakening, and that hasn't happened. The economy seems to be doing pretty well. So every time the Fed and the ECB came out and said, no, no, we're going to keep rates higher, that kind of demolished a little bit of that pivot theory. And really people threw in the towel in October only to focus now on unemployment as maybe the one reason where the Fed and the ECB might start to cut rates. They jumped on it in November, but a little bit early as well. Mm, And speaking of the ECB, there's also been a rise in risk tolerance here. What do you think is contributing to this rise? So the thing with the ECB is even though they started raising rates four months after the Fed, the bets are that they will start to lower rates before the Fed because the soft landing has already been achieved in Europe. Q3 growth was 0.1 when it was, you know, 4.9 in the U.S. The U.S. economy doesn't need help, but it seems like the European economy will need help to avoid a hard landing. So everybody's betting on the ECB to start cutting first, probably in Q1 next year. Mm, And how do you think investors should be allocating their assets amidst this rise in risk tolerance? So what's happened in the last couple of years is fear has been the dominant reason for investors to hold back. And they've concentrated their portfolios on large cap, well-diversified, earnings-based, profitable companies with no debt. And there's only a few of those. And the valuations on those is now very high. I think what's going to happen now as people get more bullish about the economy and about stimulative measures from central banks is they're going to broaden their portfolios to look at, you know, the small cap segments, the more economically sensitive segments, other industries, other sectors than just tech or consumer discretionary. So I think you're going to see broader benchmarks like the stocks Europe 600 outperform the stocks Euro 50, for example, that sort of thing. Mm, And should investors right now still be cautious about, you know, despite declining market risk? Well, there's still plenty of risk to go around for sure. So even though the macro risk, I wouldn't say the macro risk is all gone. I'd say it's a little bit more transparent and investors are a little bit more confident about the forecast that they make on the macro side. But geopolitics is still a big mess, right? We have two wars going on. We don't know when or how either one will end. There is possibility of, with the U.S. presidential election next year, that China becomes one of those political footballs again, and, mm. and you get tensions rising between the two. So there is still plenty of risk to go around. But I think after two years of really being scared and being worried about a recession that never came, investors are willing to roll the dice a little bit more now. Yeah, I mean, what do you think are the dangers here, you know, when there's a combination of the rising willingness to speculate here and sort of a risk less ambition from low volatility readings. So that's a bit of a danger as well. Yes, low volatility, especially if it lasts a long while, tends to encourage bad actors, right? And we're seeing this already, right? We had only a few weeks ago, we had the interest rate futures market telling us that the first rate cut in the U.S. would be in May. And now people are talking about March, which is crazy talk in the sense that on Friday, Chairman Powell already said, no, no, it's too early to talk about ending Mm. rate rikes and never mind rate cuts. So 
there seems to be a lot of speculative actors around because of the low volatility. And that could be a danger because if something happens, if a volatility event happens, it could be anything. It could be a weather event and volatility spikes up, then all these trades need to be unwound really, really fast. There could be an issue there. Yeah, I mean, I really got to agree with you on that, Olivia. I mean, for me personally, as an investor, it's really looking at all the uh, volatility readings here. And for me as an investor myself, diversification is important. So, you know, when we talk about investing and looking into different sectors and asset classes here, it's now the time to diversify. And typically, what asset classes should investors be looking at? So one of the things we see is that a lot of the driver of inflation was energy prices, right? Because of the war in Ukraine and so on. So now that energy prices are on the way down, oil is now in the mid-80s, from, from down from the mid-90s in October. So probably playing the reverse side of that. So maybe underweight energy sector and not overweight, maybe utilities or airlines or large you know, oil or energy companies that need energy prices up to lower their costs right now. This might be a good play. Mm. So just one last question before we let you go, Olivia. Going forward, what could shift the current investor sentiment? And what are investors looking out for here? Obviously, geopolitics was to calm down. So when we had the truth, for example, the last uh, for, for almost 10 days in between Israel and Hamas, that really helped markets, right? People like peace. So we need to have some kind of resolution or at least to see some kind of diplomatic end to these two conflicts for really that last kind of monkey to be off our back, so to speak. There needs to be also some kind of consensus or at least some guidance from the authorities in China about what are they going to do to stimulate the second, the world's second largest economy because we don't have any details on that yet. So those two things need to be in place for really investors to feel secure and confident again. We have been speaking with Olivia Dessier, Head of Applied Research APEC of Axioma. Thank you, Olivia, for your time and your insights. Thanks for having me. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.